Okay, so Mesiyat HaDashmaya, with the introduction that I have no qualification to speak, really Bechlal, but certainly not in such a context of very esteemed friends and educators, I want to tell you a personal story. That's what the whole shir is just going to be, a personal story, my story. Be'ezus Hashem, our story, but as of now, it's, it's mine. And the story is that when I was 17 years old, I was a very disenfranchised from teenager, without getting into all the details of why, not that I was from or a teenager, that's regular, but why I was disenfranchised. And I ended up in Yeshiva Naritz Yisrael, which was for mildly disenfranchised from teenagers. Whole story how I got there. Halfway through the year, I found myself sitting in the courtyard of the yeshiva reading a novel by a secular non-Jewish author called Stephen King. Stephen King writes horror novels. Don't ask me why I was into that. I'm not the only one. He's a very popular author. And I remember this day, mamish like yesterday. Mamish, I was sitting there on the couch in the chatzar, in my shorts and on the shirt, like, could yeshiva bachim dress? Benastarim. And I was sitting there reading this novel, and I saw that he quoted a pasuk in Eo, Job. And I'm reading this pasuk, and I'm like, wait a second. Went to yeshivas all my life, educated like all of us, regular, standard education. And I never opened the Eo in my life. I don't know this pasuk. I don't know anything about Job. And here this non-Jewish person is quoting scripture left and right. It just hit me very strongly that I know absolutely nothing. It was like a, like a mamish, a, mo- a moment of awakening. And I remember in that moment processing to myself the fact that I'm turning my back on something that I really know very, very little about. Very little about. Fundamentally little about. I know about the containers, the society that I was brought up in. I know what the yeshiva community looks like. I I understand the structures and the hierarchy and the guidelines. I know all of that, but I don't know the content. I just don't know the toichen. That shook me up. I remember going upstairs to the Bismedrash. It might not have been that particular day, but it was a bit of a trajectory for me at that age. And I went up and I started looking at the bookshelves. So I knew basically what the bookshelves contained of. I knew that there's a shas here. I knew that here's the halacha section, shalos uchuvas. All the svarim that we learned from, Rishayinim, Acharinim, I knew all of that. And then I discovered a bookshelf in the back that had a sefer called Mikhtav Me'aliyahu. And I remember pulling it out and I remember looking at the contents, the table of contents. Bechira, Emuna, Ava, Yira, all the things that I, I was never taught anything about growing up. So I knew what to do and when to do it. I knew absolutely nothing about what Avodah Hashem means, what it's supposed to be. And I was literally overwhelmed. I remember I was so excited. I ran into the basement and I'm like, hello, like, anybody know about this? Like, and people are like, yeah, you know, whatever. But my heart was on fire because I was searching for something my whole life. I continued to search. I went back to the bookshelf and I found out that most yeshiva bachar my age learned a sefer called Mesil Sisharm. So I took the Mesil Sisharm off the shelf. As I'm taking it off the shelf, and I ended up, Baruch Hashem, learning it a number of times, that Kufa, 
I noticed out of the corner of my eye a safer that my father had given me. A number of years earlier when I could care less about anything textual, irrespective of who it came from, never took a look at it. But the safer was called Chayvas HaTalmidim, the student's obligation. And he bought me the Feldheim version that had the Hebrew on one side and the English on the facing page. And I noticed it out of the corner of my eye. I saw, okay, this is also a safer that talks about character development. It talks about spirituality. So I took these two sfarm off the shelf and I went to a Rebbe in the yeshiva. It was not my Rebbe. And I asked him, I said, you know, which does the Rebbe suggest to learn? He told me, Mesil Sisharim. And I chose Chavas HaTamidim. I don't think I asked him to do the opposite, but Bakacha, I'm an individualist. Chavas HaTamidim is the first Sefer that I learned properly, cover to cover, the whole thing. The fact that it taught me how to read Hebrew is a totally anecdotal side point. But I did learn how to read Lashon HaKadosh through that, without which I, I would not be able to learn in the way that I am today. And that Sefer, that commitment, that diligence paid off in the sense that night after night I sat there, night seder, and I read one line in the Hebrew and I looked at the facing page in the English. I, could, I should have brought in my Chavos HaTamidim. Every word has blue writing. I couldn't read a word of Hebrew. Parenthetically, how do we expect from kids to succeed if they cannot read the language that all the texts are in? I mean, it's, I'm not getting into that now, but I could not read Hebrew. It taught me Lashon HaKodesh. I sat there day in, day out, sentence by sentence, and it's not an easy read. The Pusetzner was a poet. Long run-on sentences could go on for two pages. You don't know where he started and where he's ending. It taught me Hebrew. But much more than that, it absolutely fundamentally changed my life. Chavos HaTamidim opened my eyes in ways that It's hard for me to describe or explain what the Sefer was and what it did for me and to me. Also, let me know when I'm over time because I'll go on forever if not. Okay, so just stop me. What I want to present to you and to me and to all of us today is how the Piyasetzin Rebbe not only changed my life in the context of the whole Sefer, because the whole Sefer is super powerful. If you haven't learned it, I cannot recommend it highly enough. But in order to capture a 17-year-old's attention, to enable them to want to be bought in to a project enough to turn page after page after page, night after night after night, to actually learn something, there had to be a hook. Because otherwise I would have opened it up, I would have read the first page, and I would have... There had to be a hook. And that hook was in the first four pages of the Sefer. Fundamental foundations of my Yiddishkeit that today guide my Ashkafa and guide everything that I do is wrapped up subliminally woven into the way that he talked to me in the first four pages of the Sefer. Out even going into Perak Beis. The very beginning of the Sefer, fireworks, one after another. And I was privileged to be awake to this. I was privileged to be aware of it. I don't even know then that I would have been able to articulate what exactly it was that was so mind-blowing to me. Having gone over these chapters again and again and again over the years, at one point I was learning the whole Sefer every month. I have it split into, if anybody is interested, I have guidelines for how to learn the whole thing in 30 days. I have it written into my Sefer. 
Looking back, it's absolutely clear, clear to me why this safer grabbed me and would not let go. And I want to share that with you tonight, today. Might be night by the time I'm finished. Okay, so let's take a look. I'm not teaching you anything. We're reading the words of the P.S. Setzner in the first chapter of Chavasat Hamidim, and I want to help you and me focus on what it is that he's communicating to us so that we can inculcate these principles and give them over to our students. This is the way Chavasat Hamidim begins. You ready? How fortunate are you, Jewish youth? It was written for teenagers. We're far more emotionally advanced than today's adults, so it's written for everybody. You've merited to learn the Torah of Hashem. And you've elevated yourself and your soul to the level of being able to be a beloved child to the master of heaven and earth. The angels are jealous of you and they respect you. The Sarfei Kel and the heavenly spirits, those angels, Alecha Yismu, they're bewildered over you, and they stand ready to honor you. The heavens and all that fills them, the earth, and everything that fills it, Alecha Yismu, Every single particle of physicality rejoices over you and is subjugated to you. And they begin to ask each other, Who is this youth? That pillars of fire are shooting out of his mouth. And the master of the world, Ramal called Raman, the highest of all high. Takes pride in you before the whole heavenly host and is happy with you. I had been talked at my whole life. To be talked to is something else. Something else entirely. We talk at people all the time. To talk to someone. And to begin right out of the gate. Ashrecha nar Yisrael. It's a safer on Musr. You'd, you'd assume to say, like, listen, you really got to work on that. And you got to work on No. And that's step number one. The confidence, the respect with which he spoke to me. That made a huge impact. It opened my eyes. I said, okay, this is a person that values me. This is a person that tells me that the angels in all the heavens, irrespective of how I am, and obviously I have what to work on because there's a whole safer of what to work on and how. They respect me. To respect our students as individuals. That's a super powerful thing. That's principle number one, first five lines of the safer. He continues. Hashem sameach b'cha. Hashem takes great joy in you. Ve'gam ata nar Yisrael tagav atismach b'goydel ashrucha. Uravas hatzlachas chazu. How much you deserve to be joyous over your position, over what you are. Ki miwa ish ashazachalias miroy pnei amelach alayagav alayismach. Who is the Jew? Who is the person? that would merit to be one of the members of the king's court who is not constantly rejoicing over this. Who merits that the king of kings whispers his secrets to you and teaches you his Torah. And it wouldn't be considered a degradation in the eyes of the king, in the eyes of the king of kings, if we're not rejoicing over this position. 
the way that he treats us, the way that he values us. But then he says, We know. If only you would know that you're learning the Torah with a heart that's pure and with a mind that's pure. If you would feel the closeness of Hashem who's sitting opposite you teaching you, and you would feel inside of you, that call back all of your tefillas about your own life. All the tefillas that you daven. You're standing in front of Hashem supplicating like an only child to his father. And Hashem, like a beloved father, is answering you. If every from teenager knew this and felt this, so forget about it. You don't have to pitch Yiddishkeit. You don't have to threaten and you don't have to guide and you don't have to consequence. Who doesn't want this? Who doesn't want to feel valued and loved? But because you don't see this, you don't feel this, you're not aware of this. And you see yourself, you're just a kid, you're just a teenager. You don't understand who you are. Not, you don't understand what you need to be doing or else. It's a whole different approach. You don't understand who you are now already. So your heart isn't fluttering. You don't know how to be joyous over what you have every right to be joyous about. You don't even always want to learn the Torah of Hashem. And it's understandable, says the Rebbe, because you don't know what learning is. You don't know who you are. You don't know what your place is in the world. And there's a lack of interest on your part to listen to the voice of God. The next three lines come from the end of the parak. Where he says, Why should you say, hey, I'm no different than any other kid? What do you expect so much from me? What do you want from me? You're asking something of me. Says the Piyasat Sarebbe, again, power of perception, which we'll speak about outside in a minute. You know what it means to be a Jewish teenager, that you're looking at everybody and saying, well, they're ordinary, so I'm also ordinary. He says, whoa, hold on one second. You don't understand what it means to be a Jew. Do you really know what, what, what lies within the heart of your friend? That you can so easily write them off as ordinary and then write yourself off as ordinary because you're one of them? Do you know what it means to be a Jew? We cannot come to definitions or decisions based on what we think we know. And this was already a different language. Because it's not a matter of more information. This is key. It's a matter of contextualization. And what I mean by that is two people can know the same piece of information. Two people can hear the same Dvar And they each, based on their understanding of the definitions of these things, one person's Shabbos means one thing, and the other person's Shabbos means something else. When one person hears the shear on the Shabbos that he thinks he knows, forget about it. It, It's not not relevant. He doesn't like Shabbos. It's not that they don't like Shabbos. It's that they never met Shabbos. They don't know what Shabbos is. We need to shift the definitions for our students. And again, everyone will apply that in their own tchum. Obviously, I'm speaking from the standpoint of Elecha, which works predominantly with from people. They know all the information already. 
to me, the Avoida is not teaching them more. To me, the Avoida is redefining the things that they already know, to put it into a much broader context, to shift what these things mean for them. For the Hever in, in working in Kerv Rechaikim, it might not be necessarily about redefining religious terms, even though it might be. It depends on the student. But what about life? What about just being a human being? What about basic categories of the way that we think the world functions? We have to be well enough rooted in our perception of the world that we're able to look them in the eye and say, let's take a thought journey. Let's re-examine some of those things. What you think you know what it is. And then the question is how much or how little you know about this thing. Do you really, like, like the PSS says, what do you know about the essence of that thing? Are there potentially other, other ways of framing things? Different lifestyles that you can choose to put on like you put on a garment. Rav Shlomo used to say, Rav Shlomo Kabach, let's pretend that we believe in God for the next 10 minutes. So just pretend, Right? We have that opportunity. So that was the power of perception that taught me it's not about knowing more or less. It's a matter of deciding maybe there's a whole nother way of looking at things. It's not that you don't know that learning is important. You know learning is important. It's that there's a whole nother way of contextualizing what learning means. Memela, that that being important will shift legamri. So that's an important element as well. Let's take a look at the next source, quality versus quantity. Let's take a listen to how he, re- he, he, he speaks. It changed my whole life. Ben Yakir, he says, my precious child. I'll never forget this paragraph. They impacted it out on me. He says, listen, you know, you're just, you're a teenager. You like to chill. You like to play with friends. And here comes this safer, this text that you pulled off a shelf somewhere. We want to turn you into an old man. That's what you think. Just like this boring old person. We're trying to steal from you your childhood, your youth. You just want to be a person. You want to be a kid. You want to be normal. What do you need this for? Says the Rebbe. Listen to this, because I could buy into this. This model I could buy into. Don't come to me as an educator and put yourself on me. I want to be me. Give me a way of being me that's deeper. Don't change me quantitatively. Tell me that I'll stay exactly the way that I am, but that qualitatively the way that I experience what I'm experiencing could change. It's a whole different thing. He says, don't worry. You're going to stay the same teenager that you are. You can chill all you want. Nothing needs to change quantitatively. On the surface, you'll relax. You'll have a good time. And you can still reach the goal that we're setting for ourselves. Not quantitative shift. Didn't change anything in my life. But it changed everything in my life because it was a qualitative shift to be able to look our students in the eyes and tell them, you'll stay the same. Like we're not trying to make you something you aren't. Everything will stay. And to do this means that we have to have a balanced hashkafa, which all of us, Baruch Hashem, have. As Talmidim of Rev Berkowitz, Rev Weinberger, we're, we're connected to very balanced people. You'll stay the same. Of course, fundamental things in their lives will shift, but that's not the Nakuda. The Nakuda of Yiddishkeit is not about it's not about, you know, you have to do this and do that and the other thing. And this is what we have to add to your life. If we start with that, then it can remain on that level. So instead, we have to begin first by saying, 
let's try to take a journey into experiencing life in a deeper way. Let's start there. Don't have to be nervous. I'm coming to turn you into something you're not. To fill your life with quality. Not if to chill, but how to chill. To realize that Hashem is present in your going out for pizza with friends. Like that's what it was to me to read this safer. I'm like, wow, I, I don't have to like become all frummed out. Like I, I could just be a regular kid. And the answer is, yeah. Because it's not about the quantity. It's not about a cultural, uh, uh, um, you know, expectation of, 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 of what life is, you know. That's not what it is. We're not coming to make you yeshivish. We're not coming to flip you out. We're not coming to change those stuff. That's not what matters. If you do, great. Everybody needs a community. We can talk about the different communities that we have. We're not trying to turn you into us. We're trying to teach you how to fill your current life with meaning. You're still in this world, regular person, totally normal. Yiddishkeit is so broad. We don't have to pull people into our tiny perspective of what it means to be a firm Orthodox Jew because it's just not true. Not every student's going to end up in kolel. Not, again, I'm preaching to all the choirs. But again, it's important to Chazer. That, that's not the focus. Let them be who they are, how they are. That's how Hashem needs them with their talents and their capacities and their abilities and their interests. That's all the way that Hashem created human beings. If Hashem wanted us to all look the same, we'd be angels. Every single person looks differently. Every person has tchunas nefesh. The last thing we want to do is to emasculate these people by saying, hey, you, you know, you're into this, finished, done. You have to turn into a robot. That's not... Mamishnat. And not only isn't it right to them, it isn't right to all of Am Yisrael. Because how much do they have to add? And I give one example. If Nisim Black would have been processed, so to speak, through a different angle, think about how many Yidin might never have been reached by a person that needs to do exactly what Nisim Black is doing. What a chaval. If someone would have told him along the way, oh, this rap thinks Narishkai. That's what Hashem needs. He needs a black rapper in a Bekisha. Why? I don't know. That's what Hashem needs. That's what Hashem needs from Nisim Black. And if somebody would have come along and told him that he has to leave that part of him aside, chaval, chaval, chaval. Not for Nisim Black, but for all of Am Yisrael, for my nephew, that that was his whole connection to Yiddishkeit when he was struggling. It's the music of Nisim Black. Quality, not quantity. Take a look at number four. Try to do this quickly. He says, our goal is, this is also key for me. He says, the safer is not about forcing you to do something that you don't want to do. So that you should want it. That's our goal. How respectful is that of the student? To say that, Mirosh, I'm not here to turn you into... It's connected to the first point. It's journeying together, not preaching toward. Let's, let's explore. Because if we're successful in having them do all the things we think they should be doing, but they're not theirs, then what do we gain exactly? That's not the goal. Not to force. But so that you should be something. 
We're not okay just with like, the, you know, the external, okay, we got him to wear this and we got him to do that and shuckle this way and dab in this way and think that thing. Okay, good. We succeeded. No, it's ridiculous. Because the second that that power structure is not there anymore or the second, without getting into it now, that there's a scandal of one kind or another finished. Everything falls apart because it was never essential to that particular person. How often do we see this also with Bali Chuva? A couple of years down the line. They become disenfranchised. Why? Because they got swept up into a whole thing and they, they felt like they were a part of something, but the, the, the roots weren't laid. And so we play long ball. We want to build people, build people. We can't look for the short wins and then check off some, I, I hate to say it, but like some, and Gideon is working very hard on this to how to measure success. So we can check off, okay, we got them to do this and that to do this. That, that's not the metric of success in Kirov. That's not the metric for success in Hashpa'ah. Because it's about building them. It's not about duplicating you. Now, Gideon has a very hard job to do because it's super hard to measure that. And, and that's what all the care of organizations are struggling with and all the everything organizations that need funding. It's very, very hard. And maybe there should be a think tank. I'm sure you guys have discussed this, like how we can measure. But like, it's very hard. Because hashpa, chinuch, Kirov is a qualitative endeavor, not a quantitative endeavor. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Number five, with this, we'll come to the end. He says, we're not saying that there's no difference between one child and another child. Again, not every paragraph follows the other. That's why there are three dots. I, I, I just cherry-picked from, but it's all four pages. It's mamish all there, and it's revolutionary in terms of its approach. We can never, ever, ever think that we have a clear picture of who this person is and what they're going to turn into and what they're going to become. To say from the outset as a, as a teacher, that's it, we write a person off, he's never going to work. Oh, with this one it's worth investing, but this one not. How do you know? There are students, they have so many talents, but they're hidden. You would never believe it, that this child in your class that doesn't know how to focus, and so you think he has ADHD, as if that's some kind of death sentence. Maybe it's just, it's called neurodiversity today. Maybe it's a different way of processing information. Maybe he needs a different topic. Maybe he, he's going to excel in something else. How do you know? This was also revolutionary for me. There's one way of being a gadol in Torah, because that's the implication of the sentence, v'heim b'tzedaka, or b'tzedkas avayda. You can be a gadol in other ways. That was also, boom, eye-opening to me. I wasn't taught that in yeshiva. There are different ways of being a gadol. Ukeshi yigdala, when he grows up, v'hini l'pelekal makira, what a wonder it is to everyone who knew this child. L'fanenu ish gadol. Here's a big, big, special person. Where nobody could even come close to understanding the godless of this person. And the opposite is also true. How many great, great, great gedolim there were sitting in classrooms? Because they didn't work properly. Now, if somebody comes along and tells me, hey, you've got to do this because this is what you've got to do, I don't know. But empower me with a sense of mission. That word is so fundamental, mission. To give people a mission, give them a place. Recognize you owe something to the world. It's not just about you for your own life or me for my own care of metrics. The world needs you. A sense of 
responsibility, Reb Noach, right? That, that, was, that was why he was so successful, because he knew how to empower people with a sense of mission, not to judge what you see in the mirror. V'gam ata, and here he speaks to the child, Ben Yakir, you're my precious son. You who don't even know yourself. You who don't even know what you're capable of. You who thought that you're just ordinary because everyone's ordinary and them that you didn't understand and you, you don't understand. If you're not going to take it seriously. Listen to these powerful words. You didn't just ruin the life of a teenager. Meaning, okay, big deal. So another one bites the dust. No, no, no. You prevented Am Yisrael from benefiting from a Gadol Yisrael. It's incredible. The way that he, he looked at every student. The sense of achrayis. Not for you as a teenager, because big deal. Either I'll do this or I'll do that. No, 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 no. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you need to give the world. The whole world is waiting for you. A sense of mission. And not just is a negative for that individual person, to the whole Jewish nation, and even Hashem is missing something. This already is in the second parak, it's true. It's the beginning of the second parak. If I would have continued, I could have had 40 principles from the first five parakim, but I, I just took a few ideas and, and a few more minutes. Yeah. Can we, can we do questions just at the end? Yeah, but make sure to write it down. Okay. Let's take a look at the final two. Care. This is how he begins the second parak. He says, wow, it's pretty intense. He says, this is a lot. Like you're carrying a lot on your shoulders. There's a lot that's expected of you. He says, we get it. We feel it just like you feel it. Thank you so very much. Thank you. We worry with you. And this burden, that's for sure, it's too much for you to handle. But guess what? We're, we're with you. We're right with you along the way. You're carrying half of it, and all of us, the educators, are with you. That's our whole point in the Sefer, he says. If you'll listen, and if you'll want. A tremendous humanity will burst forth from within you. You'll illuminate the world which you couldn't have imagined and your parents and great-grandparents and grandparents and great-grandparents couldn't have imagined. The sense of care for the first time in my life, I felt like someone is actually talking to me and get and gets it. Because yeah, I, I worry about these things. I, and he's like, yeah, we're with you. We're with you every step of the way. What you're feeling is normal. We get it. A sense of care. And again, these are just mishalim. They are meant, these principles are meant to be applied in, in every area of our avoida. Care. And then finally, the second paragraph in that parak is al ti Yisrael. Don't stress out. That's, that's how he follows this up. Don't despair. Don't give up. Don't become discouraged. That's the first thing to know. Sadness, discouragement, despair, hopelessness. Finished. Cannot, we cannot proceed with that midah. And it, it, it just destroys the heart and the mind. It leads to laziness. So what should you do? No pressure. There's no pressure. So much of the system's pressure, pressure, pressure all the time. No, no. 
So what should you do? Get up in the morning from your bed. He says, just quickly review the first parak in your mind. Yeah, that's right. Beautiful. Thank you. Should have bolded that, right? Because that's what the whole thing is. He's talking to you, not at you. And it's about connection to Hashem. It's about connection. Think about it. Care about it. It could be translated as worry, but it doesn't mean how much worry. Care about it. But not like, oh my gosh, I cannot do it. And finish. They're asking too much of me. It's too intense. I'm feeling pressure. I'm out. Because he says, you know what despair is? What depression is? A person who feels, not clinical depression, but sadness, is when a person feels that everything is lost. Uh, so finished. You, you can never do it. He gives up and he's, he's despairing. But he says, you know what it means to care? He has a map. And this map leads the person to a particular place and X marks the spot where there's a treasure 20 feet under the ground. So he cares that it's really hard to dig all the way down to this treasure, but he doesn't doubt the treasure and he doesn't doubt his ability to do it. He doesn't doubt how much time he has. He's not giving up. He knows that he needs to do shovelful after shovelful. That's his whole thing. And he will get there in the end because it's there. He has the kayak. There's no question. It might take time. Don't stress out. The more that he... He cares. It's accessible. And the implication is that every Jew carries within themselves a treasure. We are not trying to take people from where they are to some and change their lives. It's never about changing. It's about revealing. It's a whole different perspective. To be able to understand every single Jew has a treasure inside of him. He is a treasure. And it's just about letting him know about it. Helping him to find a way to get in touch with it. And to reveal that within him. And we have to start with that, with that belief. And if we do this, he says, Yismach we'll, we'll be joyous along the process. We don't have to finish everything. We have to do our best. Until he finds the treasure. So quick review. Number one, confidence, respect. Relate to our students with respect. Mamish, respect them as people. Respect their journey. Respect what they have to teach us. We spoke about this a little Friday night. Just as much as we have to teach them. They're human beings. They're whole human beings. They have experiences. They, they know things that you don't know. And it can be symbiotic. Even therapy is, is changing the model a little bit from classic psychoanalysis. It used to be that the, you know, the person sitting in the, in, the, in the chair, not on the couch, he had all the information. He knew. He knew things that the person didn't. And you have to sort of spill your, 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 your guts to him. And he's going to – today, it's moving in, in a symbiotic way. The person in therapy gains, but there's a mutual trust. It's relationship-oriented. Relationship. Not teacher-student. Friend. Friend. That's number one. Respect them. Number two, power of perception lends again to talk much more broadly than just we talk about this mitzvah and this thing because you might be talking one way and he has a co- totally different perception of what this thing is. Always get to the oimek of it. What is it fundamentally? Number three, quality versus quantity. It's not about threatening to change their whole life. Stress again and again. 
our Yiddishkeit, our Yiddishkeit, which is rare, exceedingly rare. Again, as Talmudim of this particular koil, these Bate Medrash is as rare in Amisra. There's a lot of extremism out there. We are healthy, balanced, normal people. We want to foster healthy, balanced, normal people. Stress that to them. It's nothing weird. We're not trying to change them in any way. We're trying to infuse their life with meaning as they already are. Being, not doing, connected, is not forcing to try our best to teach so that we can reveal what they have inside of them so that they want to do it irrespective of any other structure that may or may not be there. Number five, sense of mission. Not just for themselves, but what the world needs them for. Six, relate to them with care. Get them, understand them. Try as much as we can to put ourselves in their shoes, to walk with them step after step. And finally, it's never about pressure. Mamish never about pressure. But mamish about love and about empowerment, and about positivity. And these are the seven principles that I discovered just in the first four pages of this longer Sefer that I couldn't encourage you highly enough to learn and myself to review and to keep on learning all the time. And I don't believe that I said one Chiddush. I think every single person knows this already. And it's mamish for myself. I got a lot of chizik preparing this year yesterday because it's so easy. It's like if we can get these seven things down, we can change lives. We can mamish absolutely fundamentally change lives. We have to know we're not up against so much. A lot of people think, you know, the secular world, this is the last thing I'll say. Oh my gosh, you know, they're so distracted. They're so disinterested. They're, they're... On the contrary, the more detached the world becomes from human, human, human needs, We have to be confident in what we have in our product. We have to find the right container for it. Sometimes a a big group setting in a particular school where there's a lot of talking and blitzanus and whatever might not be the best setting. I mean, I had some of those experiences with Rafi. Like, it's not so easy all the time. Like, I'm a bit traumatized still from that. But one, I'll I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll totally be honest. And by the way, that doesn't mean that the educator failed. It just means that some things will work and some things won't. But on an individual to individual basis, smaller lunch and learns. You can change a life by caring about them. Forget about the fact that you can save a life, because the suicide situation is out of control, as, as some of you know. Save a life. But you can change a life by being authentic, caring, not having an agenda, being a person that loves people, all these principles. If we can just review these, maybe write them down, keep them with you in your wallet, and review them in the morning every time. Like he says, get out of bed, because the same thing is true for us. We're not trying to accomplish the impossible. It is super possible, and we have to care about it. But the treasure is there. We have a shovel. Be'ezer Hashem, we should merit to discover that treasure in every Jew and in ourselves. Bring the world closer to the Gula Shlema of Amitiz Bimheir Amen.